This is Space Time Series 24, Episode 35. Coming up on Space Time. New seismic data suggests the red planet's core is about half the size of Earth's. Searching for signs of Martian life in outback Australia. And a kilometre-wide asteroid zooms past the Earth. All that and more coming up on Space Time. Welcome to Space Time with Stuart Gary. Seismic data collected by NASA's Mars InSight lander suggests the red planet's core is only about half the size of Earth's. The findings, based on instruments used to monitor Mars quakes, puts the Martian core at between 36,020 and 37,020 kilometres wide. InSight sensors detect the sounds made by Mars quakes. The lander began listening soon after touching down near the Martian equator in 2018. So far, sensors aboard the craft have captured seismic data for around 5,000 Mars quakes. But scientists say most of the quakes on the red planet are quite small compared to those on Earth. But about 50 of them, measured between magnitude 2 and 4 on the open-ended Richter scale, which was strong enough to start to get at least a general picture of the red planet's interior, including the thicknesses and layers of the Martian crust and core. InSight sensors monitor how long it takes seismic waves generated by Mars quakes to pass through the different layers of the planet's interior. And this in turn can then be used to determine the density of the layer and from that infer its composition. Scientists were able to use this data to measure the depth of the boundary between the Martian core and its mantle at several locations, thereby allowing them to determine the approximate size of the core. Mars has an equatorial diameter of 6,792 kilometres. Like Earth, the red planet's differentiated into a dense metallic core overlaid by less dense materials. Scientists initially determined the core is at least partially liquid. Current models imply the Martian core is composed of iron and nickel, but with about 16-70% to sulphur. And this iron-sulphide core would be twice as rich in lighter elements as the Earth's core. Like the Earth, the Martian core is surrounded by a silicate mantle that form many of the tectonic and volcanic features on the red planet today. But unlike the Earth on Mars, because it's a much smaller world, which has cooled down more quickly, these tectonic and volcanic features appear to now be dormant. The average thickness of the red planet's crust is estimated to be about 50 kilometres, which is greater than the Earth's crust, which averages about 40 kilometres. Again, that's due to Mars having cooled down geologically a lot more than the Earth. This is Space Time. Still to come, searching for signs of Martian life in outback Australia, and a kilometre-wide asteroid passes the Earth. All that and more still to come on Space Time. NASA's Mars 2020 Perseverance rover is continuing its final checks following its successful touchdown on the surface of the red planet. And once they're out of the way, it'll begin its primary mission, looking for signs of past microbial life on Mars. But that raises an important question. When NASA's newest rover mission searches for fossilised microscopic life on the red planet, how will scientists know whether they've found it? 
Perseverance will collect rock core samples, which will then be stored in sterilized titanium containers for collection by future sample return missions. Perseverance landed in a dry river delta in the 45-kilometer-wide Jezero crater in the northern Martian hemisphere. Scientists believe the sediments and debris washed into the lake bed will provide not only a great variety of minerals from the surrounding landscape, but also one of the best bets for finding biosignatures of ancient Martian life, if it ever existed. The search for biosignatures will use the rover's suite of 19 cameras, especially MassCam Z, which can zoom in to inspect targets of interest. The rover's SuperCam instrument can then be used to fire a laser at a target to generate a small plasma cloud, which can then be analysed by a spectrometer to determine its chemical composition. And if those data are intriguing enough, mission managers can then order the rover's robotic arm to take a closer look, using a powerful X-ray beam to search for potential chemical fingerprints of past life. There's another instrument aboard the rover which will use its own laser to detect concentrations of organic molecules and minerals formed in water environments. One of the hopes of the Mars 2020 science team is to find a surface feature that simply couldn't be attributed to anything other than ancient microbial life. See, that's always been the problem in the past. If there is signs of life or fossilised evidence of past life in a Mars meteorite or a Mars experiment, there's always an alternative explanation. And as Carl Sagan says, extraordinary claims require extraordinary proof. So one of the things scientists will be looking for on Mars will be fossilized stromatolites, similar to those found on Earth. Stromatolites are layered microbial mats created by photosynthetic cyanobacteria. These can build up to more than a metre in height along the seashore and are commonly found in places like Western Australia's Shark Bay. They represent some of Earth's earliest life forms, and they can be found throughout the fossil record as wavy rocky mounds. And discovering similar-looking structures on Mars would be very difficult to chalk up the geological processes. To help mission scientists know exactly what to look for on the Red Planet required a field trip to one of the most ancient environments on Earth, the Pilbara region of outback Western Australia where 3.4 billion-year-old fossilised stromatolites can still be found today. This report from NASA TV. This, in a sense, is kind of a holy grail for us. We're in the outback of Australia because this is uh, some of the oldest convincing evidence for life on Earth. And the Mars 2020 mission and the ExoMars mission are going to be looking for uh, signs of life in the ancient past on Mars. And uh, it was a great opportunity to bring the mission teams here to really see for themselves what we're talking about when we're talking about ancient biosignatures. This part of Western Australia, called the Pilbara specifically, it's really absolutely a mecca for understanding the record of life on Earth. This is one of the most important places on the planet, geologically speaking. Members of the science team came out here to look at some of the oldest rocks that are on Earth. These rocks are anywhere from two and a half to three and a half billion years old, about the same age as the rocks that we're going to find on Mars. And what's very special about them is they have evidence of the earliest life on Earth. These wrinkly layered structures that we call stromatolites. Structures like this actually represent fossilized microbial mats. A microbial mat is actually a structure preserved in the rock made by communities of millions and millions of microorganisms. Basically fossilized pond scum in a sense. Micros, bacteria living in a shallow water environment. And we believe that if life ever existed on Mars, it would have been purely microbial. 
And those are left behind in the record that are very distinctive. And so we've been showing the NASA and European Space Agency scientists the details of what those textures look like. When we say with Mars 2020, we're seeking the signs of, of ancient life on Mars, this is precisely the kinds of signs of life that we'll be seeking. I've learned to be a kind of a Martian, to be in a harsh environment. My comfort zone is the laboratory. But, you know, here I can see that this is the real stuff. It's not just uh, simulating stuff in the laboratory. This is a real good training for us. It was really important to get the science team out here. And speaking for myself, I had seen pictures of rocks like this, and they didn't really convince me that they were the product of life. And when you see them up close and personal, it really tells the story that this was once life. And that's something you just can't get if you don't go out and look at rocks like this. You can study it, you can read about it, but there's nothing like the practical experience of trekking around in the desert and really trying to think about as we land our Mars rovers there and we look at the images provided by our sensors, how do we interpret that and follow the clues to try to find the kind of evidence that has been unearthed here in Australia. Could Mars ever have supported life? And then to take the next step, did Mars ever host life? We're just smart enough now about Mars to ask the really hard questions. And in that report from NASA TV, we heard from Mars 2020 program scientists Mitch Schultz, Ken Williford and Ken Farley, Martin Van Cranendong from the University of New South Wales, Teresa Fennaro from the European Space Agency's ExoMars mission, and the director of NASA's Mars Exploration Program, Jim Watson. This is Space Time. Still to come, a kilometre-wide asteroid passes the Earth, and later in the science report... Exposure to artificial light at night linked to teen sleep, mood and anxiety disorders. All that and more still to come on Space Time. An asteroid almost a kilometre wide has made its closest approach to Earth, passing within 2 million kilometres of the planet. The mountain-sized space rock, catalogued as 2001 FO32, sped past at some 124,000 kilometres per hour. That's much faster than most asteroids. Its unusually high speed is caused by its highly inclined and elongated orbit around the Sun, which is tilted at 39 degrees to the ecliptic, Earth's orbital plane around the Sun. This orbit takes the asteroid closer to the Sun than the planet Mercury, before swinging back out again twice as far from the Sun as Mars. FO32 picks up speed during its inbound journey and then slows down again during its outward journey. The asteroid's officially classified as a potentially hazardous near-Earth object. Its highly eccentric orbit will bring it back for another close encounter with Earth in 2052. Astronomers need to study these objects and their journeys around the Sun to better understand the history and dynamics of the inner solar system. They provide a valuable database of potential planetary threats to the Earth. An asteroid as big as this one could devastate an entire planet. This is Space Time. And time now to take another brief look at some of the other stories making news in science this week with a science report. 
Scientists have found that exposure to artificial light at night may affect teenagers' sleep and increase their risk of mood and anxiety disorders. A report in the journal of the American Medical Association used satellite data to figure out which parts of the United States are exposed to high levels of artificial light at night. They found teens in brighter areas went to bed later during the week, while those exposed to the least light slept longest on school nights. Interestingly, teens in the brightest areas were also more likely to have had mood or anxiety disorders in the previous year. While this type of study can't prove that nightlight actually causes sleep issues and mental disorders, researchers say that it might be best to do what you can to limit the amount of light coming into teenagers' bedrooms. A new study shows that young adults are having less sex these days, and it seems that a drop in alcohol consumption, as well as an increase in guys playing computer games and living at home with their parents, are to blame. The study by Rutgers University found that between 2007 and 2017, so this is before COVID-19 came about, the percentage of 18 to 23-year-old males who had casual sex in the past month dropped from 38% to 24%. And the percentage for young females in the same age group dropped from 31 to 22%. The most important factor driving the decline among young men was the decrease in drinking, which alone explains more than 33% of the drop. But interestingly, an increase in computer video gaming explained about 25% of the change in sexual behaviour among young guys. While it seems living with the folks is still a great mood killer, explaining a further 10%. For young women, about 25% of their drop in sexual activity was attributable to a decline in drinking. A new study has found that the 2019-2020 Black Summer bushfires, which ravaged much of Australia, pumped as much smoke into the stratosphere as a volcanic eruption. A report of the journal Science claims record-breaking levels of atmospheric aerosols were injected into the stratosphere by the Black Summer fires. The huge amounts of wildfire smoke in the stratosphere were made possible through a combination of the intensity of the fires and their location, where energetic convection currents lifted smoke from the troposphere into the stratosphere and then spread it uniformly around the planet. Israeli archaeologists have discovered a perfectly preserved large woven basket dating back some 10,500 years in a cave in the Judean desert. The artefact, which experts believe is probably the earliest of its kind ever uncovered, dates back to the pre-pottery Neolithic period. The basket is a volume of 92 litres and was woven by two people, one of whom was left-handed. Dozens of biblical Old Testament scroll fragments dating back to the time of Christ were also found at the site, as were brightly coloured Roman period textile fragments, parts of sandals, pieces of rope and a small comb. The more than 80 pieces of parchment scroll fragments contain verses from Zechariah 8.16 and 8.17, which are part of the Old Testament. The fragments are thought to be part of the Dead Sea Scrolls, a collection of some of the earliest known Jewish texts, dating back some 2,500 years, which were discovered in desert caves near Qumran in the 1940s and 50s. The scrolls were hidden in the local caves during the Bar Kokhba Revolt, an armed Jewish uprising against Roman rule over the lands of Judea and Israel. Those uprisings would eventually lead to Rome's decision to forcibly remove the Jewish people from their homeland, dispersing them across the Roman Empire. The great Dutch inventor Lou Ottens has passed away aged 94. 
He's best known for his invention of the compact cassette. Kids, you'll need to ask your parents what that was. Ottens was trained as an engineer at the prestigious Technical University of Delft in the Hague southern suburbs before joining the Dutch electronics conglomerate Philips in 1952. His goal was to replace bulky reel-to-reel tape recorders with something small enough to carry in your pocket. This eventually resulted in 1962 in the invention of the compact cassette, which over the next two decades became a global smash hit, with more than 100 billion cassettes sold. Alex of Royt from ITWire.com will have more on Lou Ottens in a moment, but first, Alex asks whether or not you really could live without technology for a single day. Okay, so the Digital Detox Challenge uh, was a test to see whether you could survive 24 hours without tech. Now, they were giving 2,400 US dollars for one person in the US or 2,400 Australian dollars to one person in Australia. And what you had to do was to, you know, disconnect from all personal technology, excluding emergencies, of course, for 24 hours. There was no mobile phones, no TVs, no gaming consoles or handheld gaming devices, no computers or laptops, obviously no smartwatches or other wearable tech, no smart home devices, so you couldn't be asking the smart speaker for information. Uh, but you could, they said, still use a microwave to heat your food. Still a clever little thing to do in the 21st century when we are so wedded to our devices and technologies that you know people experience nomophobia where they don't have their phone on them. I mean, yesterday I was in a shopping center and I couldn't feel my phone in my pocket and I had that momentary panic, like, where's my phone? You know, we live so much of our lives these days. I mean, I don't have my watch on, on my wrist and I'm, oh, I've left it on the charger. You know, you sort of worry about these things and um, can people really survive 24 hours without their technology? Lou Ottens has passed away. Yeah, look, he was the inventor of the audio cassette. And the audio cassette, of course, is something that, uh, well, young people these days probably don't know what it is. But for uh, many people growing up through their lives, I mean, the cassette was the first easy way that you could put something in your pocket. You could record audio, music. When I was a kid, we would record songs off the radio or off television. You could record notes to yourself. It was the first way that humans could truly, in a portable basis, record anything anywhere. Now, today with a mobile phone, we don't think twice we can record audio and video. But Lou Otten was a Dutch inventor and he did this. And he also was an instrumental part of the compact disc as well. He worked at Philips all of his life. He died at the age of 94. And uh, he was you know, one of the greats of uh, the 20th century. Instagram have changed their rules. Tell me about it. Yeah, well, Instagram is part of Facebook. And as we know, Instagram and Facebook are can be used for good and also that can be used by people who are stalking or grooming people and uh, so Instagram has come out with new rules that they want to use to support parents and teens and I guess younger children although under 13 are not allowed to sign up to Instagram but they do anyway and they are going to to, to, they're going to stop adults from sending messages to people under 18 who don't already follow them and uh, this is basically something that is just you, you sort of think well why didn't they do this from the very beginning but clearly you know we were living in safer, more naive, more innocent times. And as time has gone on, we've seen and heard of all sorts of horror stories. You know, you don't know what your kid's doing in the bedroom. I mean, in the old days, before we had smart devices, the advice always was, don't let your kids have a computer in the bedroom. Make sure the computer is in the living room where they can be monitored. But these days with mobile phones, you know, I mean, there are stories of kids who are up at two o'clock in the morning playing games on their phone. And and some of these kids have purchased phones themselves or got somebody else to buy it for them. Parents don't even know. I mean, phone plans these days are so That's Alex Zaharov-Royt from ITY.com.
that's the show for now. Space Time is available every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday through Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Spotify, Acast, Amazon Music, Bytes.com, SoundCloud, YouTube, your favorite podcast download provider, and from SpacetimeWithStuartGary.com. Space Time's also broadcast through the National Science Foundation on Science Zone Radio and on both iHeartRadio and TuneIn Radio. And you can help to support our show by visiting the Spacetime store for a range of promotional merchandising goodies. Or by becoming a Spacetime patron, which gives you access to triple episode commercial free versions of the show, as well as lots of bonus audio content which doesn't go to air, access to our exclusive Facebook group and other rewards. Just go to SpacetimeWithStuartGary.com for full details. And if you want more space time, please check out our blog where you'll find all the stuff we couldn't fit in the show, as well as heaps of images, news stories, loads of videos, and things on the web I find interesting or amusing. Just go to spacetimewithstuartgary.tumblr.com. That's all one word, and that's Tumblr without the E. You can also follow us through at StuartGary on Twitter, at SpacetimeWithStuartGary on Instagram, through our Spacetime YouTube channel. And on Facebook, just go to facebook.com forward slash Spacetime with Stuart Gary. And Spacetime is brought to you in collaboration with Australian Sky and Telescope magazine, your window on the universe. You've been listening to Spacetime with Stuart Gary. This has been another quality podcast production from Bytes.com. 